2: And this is the Hemp Present Resistance. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, speaking flower to power for 29 years and found at hempfest.org. I am also the author of the book Protestable, a 20 year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest, also found at hempfest.org. This show is a weekly read for Radio Rebellion where I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers, and shakers, and history makers of the <laughs> cannabis industry, culture, reform movement, and beyond. There's one laughing in the background right now. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp present email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Today's guest on Hemp present is Art Chantry. Art is a renowned graphic designer often associated with the posters and album covers he has created for bands from the Pacific Northwest, including acts such as Mudhoney, Monomen, Soundgarden, and the Sonics. Chantry's designs are perhaps most closely associated with the Seattle Washington based Sub Pop Records and the Bellingham and Washington based Estrus Records, creating art for dozens of bands on those labels, but his work has extended beyond those projects. Chanty was the art director of the Rocket Magazine. Uh, an awesome but now defunct Seattle-based music (laughs) (laughs) bi-weekly that was in production during the height of the grunge rock phenomenon. Chantry is also notable for his work in magazine and logo design. According to Wikipedia, Art Chantry advocates, quote, a low-tech approach to design that is informed by the history of the field. Chantry's work has been exhibited at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Museum of Modern Art, Seattle Art Museum, the Smithsonian Institute, and the Louvre in Paris, France. Chantry builds his record, poster, and magazine designs by hand, eschewing the now ubiquitous computer and laser printer for exacto knives, Xerox machines, and Photoset type. Thank you um, to uh, Wikipedia. His bright, eye-popping <laughs> creations can be seen frequently in the mom-and-pop record stores as in the pages of establishment design magazines like Print or Communication Arts. Chantry's work is featured in Some People Can't Surf, the graphic design of Art Chantry by Julie Lasky, released in 2001, and Chantry is the author of the book, Art Chantry Speaks, A Heretic's History of the 20th Century Graphic Design, released in 2015, and he has joined me in the virtual studio today by the magic of Zoom. Welcome, Art, back to Cannabis Radio, my friend.
3: Hello, hello. I wave, I wave. Can you see me now? I can
2: see you now, and you're looking... Okay, well, very, this is for you Bernie definitely.
3: boys, you know.
2: Okay, well, for, for the listeners out there, he is uh, he was sipping off of a Bernie Sanders uh, coffee No, cup. no, no, no,
3: this is a Joe Biden... Oh,
2: oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I, I couldn't see very well. Joe.
3: All those old guys, are looking alike to my eyes. Yeah, um, well, you know, the hair falls out, and you start to look like me. <laughs> I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter who is
2: going to very, very happily vote for Joe Biden because... Anything we can do to stop the train wreck that we have
3: going and on And if Bernie were the candidate, I'd be very happily voting for him.
2: Oh, man. That's yeah. the way this
3: is supposed to work.
2: The good news is, is that he's played a part in, in putting together Biden's platform, uh, which is arguably the most progressive platform in 50 years. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what we're happens.
3: Just, we're just going to have to see. I'm, I don't care who the Democrat candidate is. It's going to be better than Trump. I mean, it's just – Baby steps if that's what we if get. a cadaver if a cadaver was
2: running against Trump I would vote for him I would um, vote but, for a dead elephant but yeah. but, but we'll we we'll, get you know, I've heard people say I'd vote for a moldy sandwich right so maybe moldy yeah. sandwich cadaver 2020 better um, you have worked art back to, there's this thing called the interview that I think we're probably going to do at some point during this conversation uh, over your illustrious career you've worked with some of the leading names in punk rock and grunge music oh, and I'm yeah. just curious how did you become an interested in graphic design and poster art? What, who were some of your early influences? And what point in your life did you know you wanted to be, if, if that ever happened, a poster and album artist?
3: Well, I, I boy, you know, this is all I've ever been. I, I was interested, I was collecting posters and comic books and making monster models and reading Mad Magazine and famous monsters of film land as a kid. I didn't have a dad, so I didn't know sports. I didn't know how to fix cars. You know, I had to like teach myself everything. And you know, when everybody else was playing baseball, I was collecting monster cards and things like that. So basically my entire childhood was like learning the basic pop culture visual language. And just as I got older, I just found myself doing what I liked. And that's how I became a graphic designer. I did go to college, and I did take one graphic design class, but I already knew more than the teacher did at that <laughs> I basically put myself through college doing graphic design freelance. So, you know, I, this is all I've ever done. Um, and that's why I'm doing this now. And you notice how old I am. See old. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do this for the rest of my life as well, which, you know, we've got, I still got a good 10 years. left. <laughs> <laughs> right on.
2: How many good um, years do you have left? Yeah. Oh, I got probably 10 or 15 minutes. So I'm going to stretch it out of the course
3: of years. Um, I you know, printed, and as you- a kid, I was also you know, really into like Fillmore posters and the Psychedelic yes. posters. I collected those. And that immediately led into collecting records, of course. And and that meant rock and roll. So, I mean, that is where I got started in the music angle. And I've just been a big music fan all my life. Um, I remember in college, I was spending a lot of time studying art history. And I was really fascinated by Dadaists and early surrealists and futurists you know the real crazy lunatic fringe of the early 20th century art movements and i remember on a day in it was 1978 i was walking along the college campus at western up in bellingham and i walked past a telephone pole and there on this telephone pole was this poster now you have to remember in 78 star wars and saturday night fever were still playing in the theaters i mean that the world was all rainbow hues and earth tones and chrome lettering and disco balls, and to walk by a telephone pole and see this cruddy, Xeroxy black and white, ugly, poster, punk poster. rock poster. Literally, it was my first punk poster I ever saw in my life, and it was one of those things where I literally, I go, "What's Dada doing on a telephone pole in Bellingham?" I mean, it's like, "What? This doesn't even fit." I, I took that thing off the telephone pole and I took it back to my apartment and I stuck it on the wall. I stared at it for weeks and tried to figure out what I was just for a band called Negative Trend, And they were playing at the bird in Seattle, which was Seattle's first punk rock club. Um, and the names of the other bands on the lineup were like the mentors and the enemy, you know. Um, so I began to read about it. And I began to realize that this was a place, my graphic design I was doing as a student, was already heavily influenced by this stuff. So it was a natural transition to kind of drag comic books and monster magazines through data and graphic design into the music graphics that I already saw hanging on telephone poles. Um, I just listened to what the culture told me to do.
2: We've got about a minute uh, before the first break. Is it is, is it because it's irreverent, and authentic, and, and gritty? I mean, what did you like about that, that approach to,
3: I grew up as a poor kid. You know, I couldn't afford nice stuff. This is what I could afford to do. This is how my world looked already. You know, I you know, the idea of driving a, a new car, or buying new clothes were just utterly foreign to me. This reflected how I felt. This was the world I really related to. Uh, you know, it's like I lived in Seattle for 25 years, and I never felt like I was a Seattle person. <laughs> I always felt like a Tacoma and people in northwest know the difference you know so basically what you're looking at my graphic design is the visual language of Tacoma and that's that's being about as honest now as Now
2: well. we do have yeah. a minute before uh, the first break. Uh, you mentioned that you cut your teeth in the 60s psychedelic poster design period, and, and you've lived through the abstract album cover period of the 70s and the punk minimalist 80s yeah. and, and all the subsequent decades. What do you have to say about the design and logo styles of today? Do you have any perspective
3: on, on the contemporary work right now? Oh, dear, dear. <laughs> um, I think we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, it's like one of my favorite things to say about graphic design. Contemporary graphic design is that just because you have a solid gold hammer doesn't mean you're an architect. In other words, computers are really good at doing computer stuff. And you don't need to know anything about graphic design to do graphic design on a computer. We're losing everything. Uh, Graphic design is design for graphic arts. Graphic arts is printing. It's like... We're losing printing. It's all done on a video screen now. The way ink works on paper is even a different chromatic structure than the way light works on a screen. It's to project. this is paper, printing is reflected light, that video screen is directed light. Um, huh. okay. Just right there, everything is completely different. People don't even know that. When was the last time you saw somebody use a colored paper to print on? They don't even think of what the printing process is about. I still speak. I mean, my graphic design is literally speaking in print language.
2: Okay, my language um, has to go to a break, Art, so hold that uh, hold that thought. I'm speaking with art group, art poster guru, Art Chantry. We're going to take a break. We come right back.
1: Time to roll out for the people that let us present. Hang loose. We're coming right back.
0: Order your Sugis now at S H O O G I E S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Sugis, the sweet, sweet take anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protis Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protis Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart
2: pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out.
1: 2000- Garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. We're back to Hemp Presents only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: We're back on Cannabis Radio with Art Chantry. Art, you've worked with just you know a, a litany of acts, working through you know all this amazing uh, music. Uh, you basically found yourself in the Liverpool or the San Francisco of your time, um, working with all these amazing uh, uh, you know legendary acts. Now, I'm just just curious, uh, how involved were the bands ever in the actual design process throughout the years? And do you have any crazy stories about any of these bands? You know, Mudhoney, the Sonics, the Cramps, Soundgarden, more recently, I think
3: Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, I. you know, every time I get a project on my lap, it's completely different than the last one. That's one of the things that keeps this work interesting is everything's totally custom. You know, sometimes I'm working directly with the bands and they are. it's a direct collaboration. Other times I've never met the bands, you know. Sometimes if the label gets in the way and wants to run things with the label's lawyers, you'd understand that joke. Um they, they get in the way and you have no direct dialogue with the band. In other cases, it's the band themselves hiring you and you're working directly with those people. So it's it's all over the board. And yeah, I've had a lot of really wonderful experiences with a lot of these bands. Some of them are still my best friends. Uh, others were complete jackasses and I don't care if I ever see them again. So it's straight <laughs> across the board, you know, and it it's... I mean, if you want to start asking me about individuals, <laughs> I can give you my opinion. How, right? do
2: you, how do you navigate the initial concept phase of a design? Is there a formula that you have, or is uh, it just again, kind of a raw instinct, flow of consciousness?
3: I, you see something on the wall? I mean... After 40-plus years of doing this stuff, it's all in my head. I do all my preliminary thinking and designing in my head, and when by the time I sit down to actually sketch something out to present it. That's the idea that's been worked out. That's the best one. And, you know, at that point, you know, the band usually says, what, I don't get three? I I don't know who decided there has to be three ideas presented. Then I present two more that look (laughs) like crap, and they go with the first one. I mean, it's, they teach you to work a certain way, but over time you just develop this muscle. There's this subconscious process of creativity and it's not something you can control it's something you have to trust like your intuition and it takes a long 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 time to get to the point where you can trust your creative intuition i don't think about it i try to look i get a project i spend as much time as i can learning everything i can about it listen to the music see the band live you know read books about it just you know everything i can and then i just kind of like throw it in the back of my head and do something else for a week and then when i sit down the idea comes out in my hand how do you describe that kind of magic? It took me about 25 years to learn how to do that. Wow. So, yeah, that, that's how I work now. Now that I'm an old fart, you know, when I was younger, I'd have to struggle and struggle and struggle. I remember, like, my very, very first paid poster project. I was a student in Bellingham, and uh, I got a poster for a, a guy named Valdi. Baldy and the hometown band were playing. They were kind of like Canadian hippies. Great band, actually. What you looking over your shoulder at, a Valdi poster? Um, I hear somebody outside my window. Go ahead. Yeah, they're probably out to get you again. You know, <laughs> you know how it is. Um, but you know, I was, I was here. I had, you know, I thought, oh gosh, I'm a professional graphics designer now. And I, I went to my little apartment and I set up my little drawing table on a big white piece of paper. And the time went by, and I stared at that blank white piece of paper. And it was like the day before I had to present my, my design to the client. And I had nothing. I had a blank piece of paper. And I was in a panic. You know, I didn't know what to do. I was, yeah, I was practicing my failure speech and everything like that. And uh, I finally said, you know, I, let, let me just take a, take a bath, relax, maybe get a couple hours of sleep. I'll wake up. Maybe I'll have an idea then. So I went, and I laid in a hot bath. And while I was laying there, I was relaxing. It was a big bathtub. I could float in it. And all of a sudden, my head started to fill up with ideas. I said, yeah, okay, yeah, I could do that. And I got up, got dressed, went over my drawing board and drew out the poster. And I looked at it. You know, I took it the next morning to the client. The client looked at it, and it loved it. It was a big hit. Everybody's very, very happy. It was all over. You know, I got my money. I sat there, and I go, how the fuck did that happen? You know, I had no idea how that process worked. So I began experimenting with that very directly. You know, drugs, drinking, sleep deprivation, uh, you know, uh, exercise, <laughs> in anything that would distract. And I, I finally discovered music it was the best distraction for me. Uh, of course, I had to go through alcoholism to get to that point. But I, I the music was, a. what I do now is like when I'm working, I have this wall full of old vinyl, and um, I buy it at thrift stores for a dime. I usually buy it because it looks cool. And I'll take it home. I have no idea what this music is. And I put it on my turntable, and I just listen to it and think about it and just let my hands draw. That's how it happens. I don't even pay any attention to what my hands are doing. I'm just listening to the music and thinking, boy, that's a weird lyric. Listen to that voice of it. Boy, you know, that guy can't play his guitar. You know, just think about it. You know, if you're listening to opera, what do you do? I mean, you're not going to. So you're kind of letting your, your subconscious. Uh... I basically shut my consciousness steer, off. And let my subconscious steer. take control. And that is how creativity works. And I highly encourage any young students that are having trouble coming up with a good idea. to Take a hot bath. <laughs> Try the hot bath syndrome. You know, I've read lots of books by famous creative people everybody john carpenter used the same technique making his movies andy warhol used the same technique of distraction it's like you begin to realize that all these really famous people did the same thing they took art a nap. chant.
2: art chantry maybe the cleanest graphic artist right uh more hot bass than any of the
3: other <laughs> nah, i gave up on that i don't even bathe anymore i just let the stink do the job you know all right like- are, you've
2: racked up oh. a veritable a, a collection of awards and accolades. Among them, you're a Professional Association for Design (AIGA) medal recipient. Recognized, yeah, that's,
3: that's like the that's like the Graphic Designer Hall of
2: Fame, you know. Recognized it's, for what they term your quote intrepid exploration of subculture visual communication and your fearless celebration of cultural diversity, and they quoted you as saying that you believe design is quote the language of culture itself. What do you mean that design is the language of
3: culture itself? Well, it's it's a visual language that everybody understands, but nobody knows they understand it. We go into a grocery store, do we really read the packages? No, we look at the design on the package, and that literally informs us. You know, we vote for a candidate based on a piece of green type or a photograph of them smiling. You buy a record cover because it's got this pretty person on the cover. I mean, this is we know what yellow means we all know what yellow means this is very different than what red you know we all know a circle is female and a square is male why do we know that who knows that's but it's language that we all share and we all understand and we all communicate with this stuff i'm a guy who takes that language and manipulates it to make you think what i want you to think for a client So basically, I'm a propagandist. What I do is I take this visual language that everybody talks, everybody speaks, everybody understands, nobody knows they understand it, and I use it to fuck with your head. I'm a mind fucker.
2: Art, your website found at artchantry.com is, is just a black background with a phone number, a Facebook page, a URL, and, <laughs> and a physical address. There's no links. There's no gallery of all your great work. Why? As minimalist as it gets. You and know that, who I am or you
3: don't. and that, that, no matter, that seems
2: to me, if I may, as someone that has known you personally for decades, to be somewhat emblematic of a kind of irreverent, cynical, critical attitude for corporate promotion
3: in general. Oh, I'm really anti-corporate. I viciously... And,
2: and you have said, here's a quote of yours I read, our greatest achievements rot in obscurity while lesser bullshitters grab all the good stuff first to proclaim themselves brilliant. The modern world makes me cringe, and I helped create it. That's hard to live with sometimes. It makes me want to hide.
3: Did I say that? That's, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm Do glad you see I any hope on the horizon? Is there that. any hope art out there? No, we're all going to die. You know that. You know, some of Someone just do no. a little quicker. Shit. I got to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah hurry up how much time do you have left <laughs> my god look at us <laughs> let's talk about plague for a while You know, we got
2: about uh um about 40 seconds to to the to the break but is there anything that makes you hopeful right now
3: uh no <laughs> it's really you know i used to make jokes about how what this country needs is a good plague you know, it's like, <laughs> basically, it's all of the troubles we live with on a daily basis are boils down to overpopulation. You know, it's, yeah, it's a great yeah, man. crime. I'm feeling it. And, and, you know, so I always thought, well, what we really need is like a worldwide plague that takes out a certain percentage of the population. Now, we've already gone through AIDS, you know, the ecology, the world, the earth is fighting back to survive, and that's where some of these plagues start to come from, looking for new territories to survive. We went through AIDS. We're still going through AIDS. Now we're dealing with a coronavirus. Again, this is a pretty mild kind of plague. What if the next one is like really nasty? You know, what are we going to do then? <laughs>
2: so, I mean, on the you bright know, side, we, we like, have a mild plague, right? I mean, it could yeah, be so worse, I'm, right? I'm hopeful okay well i'm hopeful that we're going to get to the next break i'm I'm talking with nihilist art chantry we're going to take a break and come back with our final segment
1: time to roll out for the people that let us have present hang loose we're coming right back vampire a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback Cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire.
2: the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, channel. You know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
1: Trends and in technology, processes, and products. We cover these areas and more on The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The cutting edge of cannabis. Consulted by the American Cannabis Company. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio, now. Back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: We're back on Cannabis Radio with the Eternal Optimist, Art Chanter, <laughs> the Beacon of Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Are That's you? A good job, but
3: somebody's got to do it. You,
2: know? you, along with graphic artist Jamie Sheen, created a bunch of posters for the Seattle Hemp Fest.
3: Yeah, yeah, I do vaguely. Full oh, disclosure:
2: I'm I've worked with for thirty years. Um, in the 1990s, several of those poster designs for Hemp Fest won awards. The 1994 yep. cigarette pack poster was printed on hemp paper as well as hemp burlap. But one of my personal favorites is the, 80, the 98, 1998 George Washington I grew pot poster,
3: which yeah. is a large two-sided… The founding fathers. …dollar bill
2: image with Scott McDougal custom Grateful Dead lettering, I believe. And that poster was printed on hemp paper, and it was made to hang in a window or a glass door so that both sides… It was a double-sided poster, which is almost unheard of. Well, it was supposed to look like money. And it was. And it, was. it was at a front what and back. What
3: pot money look like? You know? Can you touch briefly on the creation of that particular design at all? Well, it started off with just the idea of like every year you used to give us a theme and you were talking about that year that our theme was the the power of the hemp dollar or the, the political power of the money that it generates. Right. And so we said, okay, hemp money. What would hemp money look like? And well, the beginning of it would be designed by hippies. Okay, so that's where we got the color scheme. You know, it's the the, the, the kind of rainbow color color schemes of hippie dumb, you know, psychedelic lettering. We feel put pot leaves in it and and, uh, you know, just set it all up like that. And of course, we put George Washington on it because he was a hemp farmer. So there you had it. He used to love smoking pot. And and, and and didn't you lower his eyelids a little bit? right? Yeah, we, make him to him, look, we gave him a little bit of a smile and put his eyelids at half-mast. And then we rubber-stamped it with the eye he hemp. You made a huge
2: I grew hemp stamp, like the ones yeah. that people use for dollar bills, but it was yeah, actually a giant stamp.
3: Yeah, and used that for And again, that is like one of those brilliant campaigns where you show that the buying power the economic power of the hemp dollar by simply identifying your money as a hemp dollar with that rubber stamp i mean the, the that started off the first time that was ever done was the queer money campaign in the 70s where uh, all the gay people who were who were into it would basically rubber stamp their paper money with a little rubber stamp that said queer money and before you know it you you got it in your change everywhere And that is precisely when a lot of the rules were capitalists in this country. For better or for worse, that's what we do. And people saw the spending power of gay people. And all of a sudden, things started to slacken a little bit. And it turns out that a lot of studies have shown that that campaign alone was one of the biggest game changers in the entire uh, gay rights movement. And the hemp people were doing the same thing as a lot of other groups have tried over the years, but the hemp one really worked. So that's why we carried that over and to you know educate people, let people know that that uh, George Washington was a big pothead. So was Franklin. So was Abraham Lincoln. You know, he was a he was a pothead too. He loved to relax in the evenings with a nice bowl of hemp. It's it in his cob pipe of hemp. Yeah, try to imagine that that stovepipe hat and all that smoke.
2: We, you we know, know, it's like,
3: you know, it. It's been a fact of life for thousands of years, you know, and now it is again.
2: <laughs> we we have one because minute it's guys like you. <laughs> we have one minute left, um, and I could talk to you for an hour or two. Uh, speaking of Hempfest, you've been pitching to Hempfest uh, unsuccessfully with our board for um, years. I mean, Dump <laughs> Trump poster design. We both have strong opinions about this incendiary period of Trump's kind of treasonous and reckless. Uh, crime spree. I, I love the word treason in this context. Uh, it feels to me like Black Lives Matter movement came just in time to draw Trump into a spiral of inappropriate responses. What, what can you share with us in in like uh, forty seconds
3: 40 about seconds. this crazy, these interesting times? As the Chinese curse says. Well, I didn't think I'd see it twice because I'm old enough to have been around in the '60s, you know, and the civil rights movement was something I grew up with as a little kid, you know, and that was an enormous eye opener, you know. Um, But then, you know, as time went on, you just saw things kind of revert back. There's always this backlash that happens. Anyway, the idea that this is happening again right now, it's an epiphany. It's, It's one of those turning point moments. I feel real fortunate to have seen something like this happen twice in my own lifetime. Now, if we can just get rid of that big, stupid orange obstacle in the way, Maybe we'll actually get somewhere in this country. Maybe we will have a future. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it at that, Art. That is Art- a stupid <laughs> thing to say.
2: Art Chantry, my old friend. It's such a pleasure and honor to have you back on the show, my brother. You stay, stay strong, man. Stay safe. Thank you.
3: Okay. See you later, Viv. Always good to talk to you.
2: You bet, my brother. Now, gonna get to a weekly feature, him is on CannabisRadio.com. It's the quote of the week. The key to great ideas is not having them, it is executing them. And great ideas come from problems. As designers, we call problems briefs, and we call reactions to problems concepts. And that is Kate Moras. That concludes this installment of Himson in on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all, and Ricky, my man in the control room today, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more Reefer Repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special ampersapian on our journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, promote union of the cannabis community with impunity. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. Turn up the music, Maestro, because I'm out. Marijuana!